We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Rankings, uh, our, our rankings opportunity, we're going to get a chance to see how the biggest teams are going to get aligned by the college football committee. George Whitfield, my man Christian Hackenberg, normally you see us on a Saturday. <clears throat> Tonight, we're going to handle this ranking business with you guys at home. Yogi Roth will be joining us here pretty soon. He's actually covering uh, for the Pac-12 tonight, but he will get in just as soon as the rankings get started. Thanks to Michigan State's double overtime win. Hack, we're going to get a chance to do this live. This should be uh, this should be pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it, it is cool. Um, this is my first opportunity at the college football playoff ranking uh, show this year. So um, without, of course... Can't be without any drama. Thanks to the fighting Tom Izzo's up there in East Lansing. So um, good stuff for them. Congrats. But but we're itching for this. And I know you all are as well listening in. So um, I don't I don't really expect too much shakeup, though, especially mm -hmm. in the top, you know, top four or five. But, um, you know, I think that's a pretty obvious statement. But we'll see what they do with everyone else and how they weigh these wins and upsets and what it means in the big picture. I'm excited to see what they do with five, six, seven, who's yeah. in striking range. So there you go. We're already up and running. Tulane took a hit. Um, if you're just joining us, college football after dark field of 12, George Whitfield, Christian Hackenberg. We're rolling on a Tuesday night watching the ranking show. Uh, normally the show would have been done and we would have come down here and, and gone over it with you. Now you're, we're going to roll with you live. Any surprises there in those first five hack? <clears throat> uh, no, nah, I mean, I think Cincinnati sneaking in there. Um, expected for an eight and two ball team who who made the college football playoff last year. So, um, you know, nothing too crazy. Tulane was up at 17. I think they were a little, they were a little inflated. Um, and then that UCF team came in there and gave them, gave them the works. So um, really wasn't even that close of a ball game. Uh, so I think they kind of settled it in right where they should be. And look at that. UCLA drops back four spots, effectively out. Uh, UCLA with that second loss that they just had mm -hmm. to Arizona. The rest, hey, uh, big wins for Notre Dame and Florida State. None bigger than Washington, though. They beat Oregon and jumped eight spots. 
That's a big uh yeah. that's a big head to put on the wall there, Hack. Eight spots. Yeah. That's some love there. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean we'll obviously dive into this later and we touched on it on the after dark show on Saturday, but this this pack twelve is deep. I mean, top to bottom, it's a pretty deep conference. You got you got UCLA, you got Washington, you got USC, you got Oregon, um, and you got Utah, which, you know, I think they're gonna be up here in this next release, uh, pretty snugly, mm. not gonna move too much. So um, you know, you got you got some you got some heavy hitters in there, you know, that may not be the uh the t-rexes that you're gonna find down in jurassic park but they're solid ball clubs there that is some come out and compete there is uh 11 through 15 oregon drops back six spots wow mm. on the doorstep mm. now they're down the back alley here it's at 12 uh you know then you see some kind of overall representation that's literally one team from every conference right there uh, the Nittany Lions are climbing back up there. It looks like they're going to position themselves to end in the top 10. But was that yeah. fair for Oregon to drop six? That's crazy. And you know what's interesting is that North Carolina team sitting at 13, right? Creeping. Nine and one. We've talked Creeping. about it. You know, they yep. can't play defense worth a lick and stop a nosebleed. But offensively, they got some firepower. If they, they mess around and beat Clemson in that ACC championship game, yep. you know, that's a team that, that, that this committee valued as a, as a top four program during the first releases. So, um, you know, obviously a little bit of a slide there. Um, but this North Carolina team, man, I mean, I don't know, you know, an ACC champ at, at, you know, 10 and one, 11 and one. Yep. And look who's back. Utah climbs up three spots. They're the 10th spot. That'll set them up nicely when they get into the big 12 championship. Mm -hmm. Uh, probably right now thinking more of a premier bowl game because I don't, I just don't see any possibility of them being able to find their way in uh, Clemson Tigers come in at nine uh, solid win this past weekend, but that Notre Dame loss took them all the way out. Heck. Yeah, that, that one hurt. Um, you know, and, and like I said, it's, it, we were talking about it before we got on, like, I thought that four ranking was a little inflated to begin oh, with just rich. watching them. You know, like they were a team that that they got all the Tarzans that you could dream of, but they just like they couldn't yeah. quite get it together. They can't get them. They can't get everyone pulling the rope in the same direction, uh, which is unique. Something that program hasn't had a problem with for the past 10 years. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think this is going to be a good year for them, though, if they can if they can finish out solid and beat this North Carolina team in the ACC championship game and then put a good showing in. You know, I think it'll give them some clarity moving forward. There's the Roman army moving up to number eight. It's just so strange to see Alabama with two losses. Yeah. Uh, Especially at this point in the year. Yeah. So Utah, Clemson, Alabama, that's your, your bottom of the top 10 there. Um, you know, we're going to talk scenarios all week and the rest of the season. Is it, is it right that, Clemson making it into the ACC championship winning. Is there enough havoc to be had in front of them for them to make another run back at the four? You know, maybe. And I feel like I said, I think you can make the same argument for North Carolina because realistically the only two loss team that's got a shot right now is LSU and they got to go in and beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. They already clinched. They got to handle business this week and then go ahead and beat beat the Bulldogs. Um, to me, that's the only two-loss team that's in play. You got to at least have a zero or a one in that, in that column. Um, and then it's going to come down to how TCU finishes the season. They still got a couple. They still got a couple gotcha games, I think. I think they got Baylor and what is it, Baylor and Iowa State to yep. finish out. Yep. Um, you know, and then the Pac-12 is going to have a one-loss team at least or, or a two-loss team. You know who knows, right out there. Yeah, yeah that's a really deep conference, and you know top heavy, and and they're fighting. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's just going to be which resume they value, which resume they don't, and I think it's going to be tough for an ACC resume to match up with a Pac-12 resume or even even a one-loss TCU who somehow still wins their conference. You know what I mean? Yep. Here they come. So yeah. far, it's all chalk. One, two, three is the same as it was last week. Uh, 
Georgia Bulldogs one, Ohio State two, Michigan three. Yeah, Tennessee's not going anywhere. Tennessee won't be going anywhere. TCU held serve in a big way, big road win against Texas. Can't see them getting jumped. Really, they have their spot until they fall out of it. Do you think that's fair? TCU, TCU? basically, yeah. they have their spot. They control their own destiny. Win and you're in. So who do we think is five? Tennessee here? Yeah, Tennessee's staying there. Which makes six SC. We got to be forgetting somebody here. LSU. 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 Oh man, here come them by you, Bengals. I don't know if they get. I don't know if they got enough to jump Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee beat them. Well, there it is. The Arkansas one was a little. Eh. The Vols at five. One LSU SC or SC LSU. The two losses that everybody's record isn't all records shouldn't count as the same. Right. I'm curious here. Yeah, this is gonna be interesting. What's your bet? Uh I'm a bet it's LSU and then SC. Uh, That's my bet. That's my bet just because I think it should be that. I think they go USC LSU. But I agree with you. LSU's two losses against what they've done done this far as uh is is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Christian Hackenberg. Big shot there. LSU number six. Mm. Up a spot. Trojans at seven. And look at the Trojans. And again, USC and yeah, the rest of these teams will be up there next year. But USC and North Carolina are a year ahead. They're going to come into next year, both of them top five teams, and they could be higher than that. Both their yeah. quarterbacks return, both coaching. Like, well, Carolina hadn't gone through a coaching change. USC will only settle with what they've been doing. But uh, it does say a lot, though, here for LSU. It does say a lot. Yeah. From where they are at six, they went out and beat Georgia. They're coming into the dance. No doubt. I mean, you know, what What are their two losses? Florida State and Tennessee. You know, yep. Florida State start the year. New coach. There's a lot of unknowns heading into that ball game. Um, and it was, you know, it was a barn burner came down to, to Florida state having a block of a go ahead field goal or, or a game tying field goal. Right. Um, at, you know, Jaden, he leads a freaking awesome. Like it was like a 90 plus yard drive to go tie the ball game and you know, kind of a heartbreaker. And they bounced back, bounced back pretty well. And then, you know, the Tennessee team, they, I think they just caught Tennessee hot, you know, fresh right. off, fresh off a lot of momentum. And, you know, they just caught, they caught them at the wrong time. Um, so, you know, I think maybe after that Georgia loss had that matchup squared up, it might be a little bit different. Um, so I think I'm trying to read these captions here with Herb Street. The SEC is going to really clog this up. If LSU wins out, beats Georgia, they're coming in. That'll yep. give Georgia their first loss. And by that point, they're it could in. be the number five or number six team, maybe four team. Georgia's in. And if ten, if Tennessee runs the table, what happened? What are you going to do with Tennessee? They're out? I think Tennessee's out just because of what it is, right? I think if you have a couple other people trip up, and then like you were saying, the bridesmaid, they could slip in there in one of those crazy situations. But I think then again, at the same token, you can make the same argument if the Ohio state Michigan games close, yeah. whomever yeah. is the loser of that one yeah. um, will be sitting there not being able to go beat up on some, somebody from the West over there in the big 10 um, and then get their way in. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking, you're talking at least if, if LSU goes in and beats Georgia, you're talking two SEC teams for sure, the big 10 champion, and then it leaves you one spot to duke it out between a TCU team who controls their own destiny a yeah. possible one-loss Pac-12 team, and then similarly a possible one-loss ACC champion. Um, so who is Tennessee going for? Tennessee's got to be pulling for Georgia to win this whole thing outright. Yep. Yeah, they okay. got to. And same with the the two Big Ten teams. They got to be also 
you LSU throws a wrench in everybody's yep plans. Yeah, yeah, they got the they got the uh, they got the blender. They can mix the whole damn thing up. Um, and are am I are you rolling with me that you cannot send the SEC conference champ home? I don't care if they come in with like however they get to the title game. If they win it, it's still a feat. Hundred percent, and but that's the way. That's the precedent that they've also set, right? Like, I mean, they've they've taken the the loser from the West. If it was an Alabama or a Georgia, they've taken they've they've already done that. They've set that oh, right. precedent, right? Right. So, like, if there's two dogs that have earned it in the SEC, they're going to take they've it. Got it. Correct. And then it's and then it's you know whomever else wants to wants to join the party at that point. Man, this is this is. I mean, this is going to be a lot of drama. Just you about know. everybody run like the only two teams that can afford a loss and and still look forward to this. And it sounds strange, but let me know what you think. Georgia could afford a loss and still make it. Yep. Michigan, if they lose close because it's a road game. Yeah. I think if Ohio State loses at home, now we're just assuming everybody plays it straight and everybody's competitive, like we don't have a nuclear fallout, then Ohio State might be out. Michigan could turn and say, uh, hey, we only lost to Ohio State. We'll take that four spot and and head on home. Just give us that four spot. Everybody yeah. else, the, TCU will not have that grace. Uh It'd be curious to see what happens with, with, you know, who would Tennessee have legs enough to hop a one-loss Michigan team who lost on the road at Ohio State? That'll be some drama. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's dive into that, George. Like, how do you beat Georgia? Let's just say Georgia and Ohio State. Like, how does Michigan go in and beat Ohio State at, at the horseshoe in the game? And then how does LSU beat Georgia in the SEC championship game? to create that beginning of that nuclear fallout that you were talking about for Michigan. I, I almost kind of feel like they've been looking at Ohio state these last couple years saying, wow, you guys are really nice in the air and you guys are really fast and really finesse. And then they went behind their closed doors and said, we're just going to build ourselves into the antidote period. We're not going to try to go match them. We mm-hmm. really could because we met, we recruit on the level and we same, you know, same neighborhood and we're national like they're national. But they thought if styles make fights, let's become the opposite, the opposite monster they are. Yeah, the kryptonite. The kryptonite. So that's well, it's interesting go- because Penn State to me has built their roster specifically defensively to match up Ohio with Ohio State. Yep. And I thought you saw that this year in the outcome 100%. of the Michigan Penn State game and the Michigan Ohio State or in the Penn State Ohio State game, right? Like much better they, suited for Ohio State. They took Ohio State to the fourth quarter, right? Yep. They took them to they took them to the anchor, they took them to the fourth leg and then Ohio State just had too many horses and they, you know, they let a couple they let a couple self-inflicted wounds cause, you know, some serious bleeding. Um But look how you built stop. it. But look how you did point that out. Penn State's secondary is arguably the best in the Big 10. Yeah, and then incredible safeties who cover long, all fast, kind of physical, ground. Yep. long, fast, physical corners. You got probably one of the three or probably the best corner outside the SEC. Joey in, Porter uh, Jr. Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, like yeah, Bama's got a kid, and Eli Ricks, and LSU's got a dude, but Porter can stand on any field with anybody. Yeah, solo. And then they're you're right. They're long. They're built for speed. We're going to get into these long track meets with these guys, Michigan. They're already built to go into Columbus and do what they need to do. And they got to be thinking, man, hope it snows, hope it's sleet, hope it's this, hope it's that. We're only throwing 15, 18 times a game any damn way. Mm -hmm. Both backs are ready to come downhill. Offensive line, we've been celebrating them all season. They treat them like a glamour position. Remember back when Stanford, probably back 10 years back, when Andrus, Pete, and – all those big uh, Costanzo and all those mm-hmm. big offensive linemen. Stan- Stanford 
hit the <clears> recruiting <throat> trail and treated offensive linemen like other programs treat skilled kids on both sides of the ball. We celebrate you. We're a spot for you. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Michigan's been doing. And they're only going to get more of these kids. You mean I get to put my hand in the ground and come come around the corner on somebody? And they also got some kids in the portal now too, right? That's another element we haven't talked about. I mean, they already got some pre-baked kids who 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 maybe fit more of the Michigan mold, but are playing in the wrong system, right? This transfer portal right. allows them to go out and handpick these kids that you know, from a cookie cutter standpoint, physical tool set, physical trait st- standpoint, bring them into Michigan, get them up to speed. And they've already done that. There, there are like, you're not going and taking an 18 year old kid. You're taking a 20, 22 year old kid, 21, 22 year old kid, bringing them in and letting them play and inserting them into a style that they love and embrace. That's powerful too. Right. And that could fix a lot of issues fast for them. If they ever come into that where they have depth issues or they, or they, you know, don't recruit as well one year at that position. They can go out and get them now. And remember how Michigan State plucked Kenneth Walker from Wake Forest yeah, and the places. impact he had. Yep. And then Alabama with Jameer Gibbs from Georgia mm-hmm. Tech. Mm-hmm. Send a little sprinter van down there, throw some snacks in there and see if he wants to come riding up here. And don't forget the duffel. Yep. I don't think Michigan couldn't do that. You don't think there's a couple either thumpers like Walker or a couple Alvin Kamara Jr. kid brothers out there that wouldn't right. want to come and tote for 25, 30 times a game. So if you're Michigan, man, let it snow, let it snow. It's going to be whatever it's going to be. It doesn't affect yeah. us. And right. then just watching that Monday night football game um, last night when the Redskins had 40 minutes of ball control. And Jalen Hurts has 19 and some change, and he's on the sideline. It's hard to impact the game when they got you in a chokehold. And I feel like that's what Michigan will do. Slow it down. We're really only trying to get four to six yards a clip here anyway. Mm-hmm. We got some boot action coming, but don't worry about that. that that'll that be for third down, and that ain't for 12 more plays, according to the script. And just turn it into a literally a ground-and-pound UFC fight. Ohio State comes in like Mayweather. And, like, they really do yeah. equal it out. You just can't afford to make mistakes. Ohio Because Ohio State can come leapfrogging up and catch up quick. Right. Am I close on no, that? No, I think, you're, I think you're, you're spot on. The one thing that I've noticed, and, and again, I, I don't have the privilege of having access to all 22 and being able to go back and spin up all these games, you know, after, after Saturdays and, and nerd out over it. But I have watched a fair amount of Ohio State, and the one thing I've noticed about them is they really don't have, with the exception of the extension of the run game with the bubble screens and the green grass type throws and kick it out there, you know, you got access, kick it out there to a guy on a key and let him go make a play and make make eight yards. They don't have or haven't shown a propensity to focus on the quick game type schemes where they can get the ball out of CJ's hand, get him or, or get him in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, get it to those guys in space. They're very, very vertical. There's a lot of seams. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. comebacks, sideline type throws. Yeah. Um, you know, you, every once in a while you'll get your crossers, you know, your Which shallow crossers stuff. and stuff like that. But you really don't see like a lot of like snag concepts or even like slant flat and just stuff right. that's like, okay, cool. We're having a hard time running the football. They're getting pressure on CJ. We don't need to necessarily drop him back right now. We could just go a quick little, hey, here's here's Marvin Harrison Jr. on a little quick slant. You're going to come up and press him, dummy. Boop, 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 snap it off. There's right. eight, possibly more, right? Because you got guys who got juice. I haven't seen a ton of that. And that's something that I look for Ohio State to lean on, especially with the loss of depth in their running back room. That's something that we highlighted after the after after this weekend with uh, Mayan Williams going down and then CJ uh, Travion, sorry, Travion Henderson not even dressing. Um, and then them losing their third back, who would be a one pretty much anywhere else in the country um, in the preseason with an ACL injury or, or, or a season-ending injury. I don't know what it was. I don't want to jump the gun there with that either. But um, they're thin. So in order to manufacture timing and manu- rely on the screen game, whether it be with the receivers or the running backs that you do have, and then start start building in some more of those quick concepts and that spacing uh, horizontal zone beater stuff because there's not many teams that will come out and man you up. So that's that's an extension in a way for Ohio State 
to manufacture that stay on schedule. We're going to control yeah. the football type of game as opposed to the let's air it out, live and die by the three ball. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we're going to end up like Jalen Hurts on the sidelines and only have 18 minutes of possession against a team that's built like Michigan. So that's that's a real interesting thing that I've noticed that I think you know maybe maybe is worth highlighting and paying attention to if you're going to be watching this this Ohio State team down the stretch. Field of 12 after dark. It's a Tuesday night. We're we're uh, we're going over the college football rankings now. We're projecting a little bit ahead of what the rankings are going to pour into into that tournament. Christian Hackenberg, George Whitfield, Yogi Roth will be joining us soon. Hack, I ask you this question. Given what you just said, what we're talking about here with Ohio State, and they love to get vertical, put yourself back in that Penn State huddle. As you look around the huddle, you see a kid like uh, Abuka. Then you look over here and you see Jackson Smith and Jigba. Then you look over to your left and you see Marvin Harrison Jr. All three of those kids, two for sure, are going to be the number one receiver on an NFL team in like two or three years. And I keep hearing, um, I don't know if it was Troy Aikman or Joel Klatt or whoever said, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL, period in three or four years, how many teams in the top 10, we just did the whole deal. How many teams have their wide receiver room as their number one talented room in the building? And is this why we see Ohio state try to go to them to get the rent yeah. paid so much? Is this yeah. why they go through them so much for big plays? A hundred percent. I think it's, I think when you have a quarterback like CJ Stroud who can facilitate yeah. it, right. You know, that's obviously a, a, a big part in that. You got to get someone who can get it in their hands, but um, you know, when you have that, it, it's hard to resist. Right. And then like, you know, the, the four and five guys at Ohio State, Julian Fleming was the number one player out of the state of Pennsylvania last year, two years ago. Like he's, he's sitting there like scratching and clawing to get on the field yeah. as the rotational guy. Right. You know, that's um that's a testament to the way they built it. And they've been that way for as long as I can remember. I mean, back Devin Smith, T Mike Thomas, like yeah. they've always had go getters out there. Um, and it's just um, you know, I, I don't think anyone else it, the next closest would probably be Tennessee. Agreed. If I if I could make an Agreed. argument, the next closest would probably be Tennessee. And they're even different though. Like those guys are big, long, tall, can run. But yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna route you up like like no. you said Marvin Harrison Jr. is is so whether it's a benefit of him watching his father grow up and and be around it which is a huge mm. benefit for for anybody in that position you can be mm. as talented as you want but he knows how to work and he understands the game at a deeper level route running creativity of route running selling setting things up you see him and how he does it and then his body control and athleticism and all those all those things that the scouts look at just speak for themselves, but that's, that's the element. And that's why people are talking about him being potentially one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL in five years is that stuff that he puts on tape week in week out. So, um, you know, it's definitely, I, I don't, you know, Tennessee is probably the closest. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting. That style right there, I think matches up. I think Michigan comes in even money. I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, to see what, like, what would the wise guys do in that game? Uh, just, like, what's home field advantage in college? It's yeah. Not well, and the other thing, too, is, is that game is so, it, it's one of the oldest rivalries in the sport. It, there's so much that goes into that game, too. Like, I talked to Joshua Perry about it. He's, he and I do a Big Ten podcast every, every uh, week. And that, I mean, it, it lives and breathes in their locker room. They have a ticker. Whoever the hell's up there that week, like great, they're focused on them. But every time they walk past the equipment room, there's a ticker yeah. Yeah. with the with the you know all the M's X'd out and that that you know that team up both north, schools. the game go both yeah, both of them have it that way, right? So it's there's a lot that goes into it, and we've talked about it before like that element. Um, that element is uh, it, it's it's one of the coolest things about college sports and rivalries in general. Um. Hack, our producer here, Trevor Trevor Valise. Ladies, that's Trevor Valise. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. I'm sure he's got a Snap and a chat, or is the chat part of Snap. He's got TikTok as well. Trevor Valise just let us know that Vegas has already done a look ahead. Ohio State would be a six and a half point favorite. 
what would that game be at a neutral site? I'd be curious for that, Trevor, if you have it. And what would it be if it was at Michigan? I don't even know if they do all that type of stuff. But yeah. Vegas likes Ohio State touchdown lead. Let's look real quick at LSU Georgia because this one's different. Yep. This isn't so much um, equal but opposite. This is more um, like this has to be a two-touchdown maybe a 17 point deal trevor if you have that could you kick that to us i honestly don't know what it would be it would i i, I somehow feel like it'd be a kitchen sink approach for lsu but they didn't huh. really they didn't really do a whole bunch of trickery with alabama they played bama straight up they were great on third downs they got uh what would lsu georgia, georgia and lsu play? yeah um so hack what's the attack plan there for brian kelly say they take I, care of their business they go to atlanta and they have to they'll treat it they'll approach it how yeah yeah we, well we talked about i mean we talked about this though like georgia georgia is what bama used to be in the sense that when you're looking at this team you got to have a lot of shit go right for you to just say yo we're gonna line up and play these guys Right. Like oftentimes there is some, some of that like football, God ball bouncing the right way, you know, catching a break here but to you your need point more like, than that you need. Yeah. You're going to need something. Yeah. It's Georgia, Georgia's wow. Georgia's given 16 and a half. So, you know, that's, wow, that's a big number. And I just haven't seen enough from this LSU team. It's a developing team. It's a developing culture. Is it a place that, obviously can foster the type of success that you see in Tuscaloosa and you are seeing now have seen in Tuscaloosa and still do. I'm not knocking Bama. They're just not what they used to be and it, or what they were in previous years and watching it. Like you said on this show, like you're like, damn, seeing a two next to next to next to their win column at this point in time in the year is crazy. And it is because we haven't seen it. We've been spoiled and we, we take that for granted. Right. But I just think Bama's much more gettable this year than they have been in past years for various reasons. Um, but this Georgia team is just – they line them up and knock them down. Like I said, when the lights are bright, they're playing for a ring and hardware. Yeah. You know Stetson yeah. Bennett's going to come out there with a chip on his shoulder. You know Kirby's going to have that defense flying around. And it's just – LSU is going to have to just throw the kitchen sink at it. Here we go. We got to figure out ways to get – you know, our most explosive players in space, which is really hard to do because Tennessee couldn't even do that. So it's like, how, like there's a lot that's going to go into it. And I think it's going to be a, a very high peak to scale for, for, for the Tigers. I already, I got to give him, we got to already kind of credit that they already beat the best quarterback, certainly east of the Mississippi in yeah. Bryce Young and all the stuff that him and, and Coach O'Brien are going to throw at him, scheme at him. Those two have been in lockstep for the last two years playing incredible football. And LSU is only the third team in two years to beat them. So, But you know Alabama is not really trying to come downhill at you. So what do they do? Reset themselves, thinking seven, try to cheat eight toward the box and force Stetson Bennett to come get you. But then you got all these – you know, like warlock tight ends running up and down the field and you got all these receivers, but I personally would still rather Stetson Bennett. Look, I know you've been doing yeah. your thing. I know you got yourself a nice little belt over there. Got you a ring too. You're still going to, cause I don't want to get, right. I don't want to get body blowed to death. Yeah. You got to choose the lesser of two evils in that situation. I think it is Stetson, right? Like looking on the outside in, but then there's also me sitting there saying like, every time we say that bullshit, that dude comes out and balls, <laughs> he comes out and balls every time. He just, he, he's the mailman for a reason. He just comes out and delivers. And that's like, you even saw it in Tennessee game. Right. And, and to your point, you brought this up on the show uh, on Saturday night. He's using his legs more. He's yeah. getting feisty. He's a sneaky good athlete. So that's another element that this LSU team's going to have to account for. Yeah. And um, he's just playing with a lot of confidence right now. And I, I said that coming into the year. I expected him to be really good this year, and it had to do with him not having to do this every week. Yeah. Not, yeah. not having to go, yo, Kirby, you, you're going you're gonna to bring it. He, he firmly set himself in there and just went like this all year. 
and he's yeah. played fantastic. And um, you want to see that growth. That's what yeah. you want to see. Yeah. And that speaks to the truth with Munkin uh, mm-hmm. and that staff. Look, last year we carried you. You can get out of the cart and pull us this year. Yep. Some, some. Yeah, some. Uh, <laughs> 16 and a half point favorites. Sheesh. 16 and a half point favorites. The White Walkers, University of Georgia, would be should they meet up with LSU in the SEC national champ. I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's a slip. Late Kiffin's comments from the summer uh, leaked in the SEC conference title game. Georgia would be 16 and a half point favorites over LSU. All right. Uh, if you're rolling with us, keep rolling. We're going to touch on a few more things. Um, Texas A&M situation, Heisman implications coming down here, down the backstretch, uh, and a few more things. We got Yogi Roth joining us. He's covering the Pac-12 right now at the Pac-12 Network. Hack, let's go into the Pac-12 here for a second. Wild weekend. Was this good or bad for the Pac-12? You're the commissioner's office, and what happens on the field collectively affects your office. Was yeah. this good for you? That SC kind of it it propelled SC forward, which is your shiniest, prettiest, you know, dragon mm-hmm. out west. Yeah. Or was it demoralizing because you had two of your three big dogs go down? Well, I think it depends on how you look at it, right? Um, I think in a in a way it cleared the picture now there's there's one in sc who's got a shot right had oregon and had ucla handle business now you got three guys who are all are all one loss teams they're you know two of them are going to have to see each other in the pac-12 championship so you would have had to wait a few more weeks to um to let that hash itself out and would it have been better for optics where now, you know, now you have a heavy loaded, you know, you got the two big 10 teams sitting there at two and three, pretty much staying there. And mm-hmm. then you got an sec team in Georgia at the top, but then you got another sec team at five. Maybe it, maybe it kind of crams that, that yeah. four five, six, seven, eight spot with yeah. pac 12 teams. Um, which again, like I said, from an optic standpoint, maybe looks a little bit better eyes on glass, but you know, I think realistically speaking, if I'm the commissioner of the Pac-12, I'm sitting here going, cool. Like, we got we got our most recognizable brand, arguably. Um, but just, you know, speaking from my personal experience, when I think Pac-12, I think SC. I think Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, I think that. I think SC. And that's just what I grew up in. You could argue that the Mar- Mariota and, and that whole run at Oregon, but I think SC. Um, and now you got – the golden child and Lincoln Riley and all those guys that they brought in from all over the country and flew them in and made that super team. Um, you know, now, now they, they got a path, right. They had a slip up against, against a really good Utah team. Um, but now you got a path and you got a chance to get back into it. So I think if I'm the commissioner, I'm sitting there feeling good about it. It's, it's probably what they wanted to begin with. Um, and, and it's, it's a much more clear picture now. I agree with the, what they wanted to begin with. That's the one Pac-12 team currently that if they do any type of anything, the committee and the rest of the country is like, they're back, they're back. You know that yep. meme with with Leo in that movie? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that. They yeah. can't wait for USC yes. to come back. They cannot wait. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here comes the Trojans. So, yep. I mean, hey, again, they're a year early. These guys showed up a year early. It's still a house money deal, but it's still a mm-hmm. big deal to the Pac-12 because they will finish this four-team playoff system, what, seven straight years of not being in. I, I mean, that's, that's all respect, respect to USC, but if even if USC wins out, yeah. will they jump a Tennessee that's in front of them who only has one loss – to the wire to wire like like there's there comes the drama yeah and that's why i said like that's where does does conference championship carry medal does it is that is that a badge that that means something to the committee and i think it does um you know and to your point you know sc like not ever being there like washington was there yeah more than sc 
Yeah. And that's crazy to think. And that's not a that's not a jab at Washington. It's just but it's the fact. When you're sitting there and you're looking at the at the the program's history and you're looking at everything that goes into it, the market, um, it's crazy. You know, Pac twelve hasn't had their bell cows um, you know, down there south of the Washington, Oregon border, um, on the national stage too often. How do you look at that? Let's just dance with that here real quick. <clears throat> Field of 12 after dark college football. Thanks for rolling with us. He's Hackenberg. I'm Whitfield. Tennessee with one loss against a Georgia team on the road at Georgia. Mm-hmm. You took you you took your L versus a Pac-12 champ USC with one loss. If I'm Tennessee. I'm up on the tallest anything saying, man, we only lost to the wire to wire number one team in the country. Whatever they're out there doing out West isn't Mm -hmm. bigger than that. Do they have a case? I mean, yeah. Uh, If, if again, you're sitting there comparing resumes and probably what you're seeing on tape. And when I, what I'm, what I'm going to go with is more of the tape optics side. I think there are two teams that you interchangeable when it comes to who they are. Yeah. Offensive firepower out the ass. Got good athletes on defense, but really from a scheme standpoint, don't play great together. We'll give up a lot. And their their firepower on the other side of the ball is what keeps them in games and or wins them games. I mean, Tennessee yeah. did it, did it this week, right? With Missouri. Yeah. They were messing around, you know, tussling with them. And again, that offense pulls away. And they, you know, they go on and, and hang, you know, 700 plus yards and 66 points on them. But it wasn't, I mean, it took them till the third, fourth quarter to get that done and even start getting that rolling, right? Just they're not defensively, they're not, to me, um, sturdy enough to go toe to toe with the top four programs in the country right now. SC, um, SC or, or Tennessee or Tennessee. I think um, Tennessee is more suited. I think it, if it's a trenches game, I still think Tennessee is stronger. I still think USC, yes. they got more shopping to do in this offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they got a lot of salary cap they got to fill. It'd be a hell of a game. And I hope, like, can you imagine that bowl game? Throw oh. them wherever. Yeah. But line them up. <laughs> I feel like Tennessee can get first downs and touchdowns a little easier. But I think USC obviously brings the most talented dude in the game. Yeah. But as a unit, Tennessee can get up and down, I feel like, much, much easier. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Go ahead, Heck. No, and I was going to say, like, to me, the biggest uh, the biggest determining factor for either of those teams is going to be the defense. And whatever optics and, and, and statistics and measurements that you're going to pull up, it's going to be the defense. And I do agree with you. I think Tennessee's defense travels a little bit more than SC's does right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think offensively, outside of the offensive line play, you know, I think it, it is what it is. I think Lincoln can also scheme that up. I think just as, just as well as Hypo can. They're just, to me, they're carbon copies and they're, you know, it's just a little bit different. Uh, well, you're going to get a chance to see that. Let's just take a peek here real quick. If we start playing the tournament today, you got Georgia and TCU, and you got Ohio State, or sorry, Georgia and Michigan rematch from last year, mm-hmm. and Ohio State and TCU. What do you think the closer of the two games would be? Uh, It would be Michigan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. To me, it would be Georgia and Michigan would be the closer of the two games. Um, I I just feel like to your the point you were making about how Michigan was built, I think it's more closely to the Georgia team, physical, um, and it's going to come down to who can make plays on the outside for you on both sides of the ball, right? Can you get a couple turnovers? Can you win the field bat the the field position battle? Um, both teams are going to be able to run the football. Both teams are going to command time time of possession. Um, you know, but it, it, that's when it becomes more of the, the 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 finite metrics of a game. Third down battle, the the hidden stuff that not that you don't see on the highlights and all that stuff. And and, and it'd be fun. And I think this Michigan team's built a little bit. M- better than they were last year to 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 come into this more prepared stay on schedule and execute that's something that you brought up you know had Michigan been a little bit more effective in the red zone last year you know it's it's a whole new ball game and I think I think that's where you can make the argument that J.J. McCarthy with his confidence throwing the football and then also his athletic ability and being able to run to augment that running game a little bit with his legs in a creative manner you know I think that allows you especially when the field gets condensed uh, to, to take advantage of some things. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking, I think that that, if I was looking at it would be the better matchup and, and two teams familiarity kind of been there, done that. I think it would be better, um, in the grand scheme of things than a TCU matchup. I think Trevor said, what do you say? What do you say? The, tr- the TCU line would be TC, uh, Georgia would be given a damn Whoa. fucking 32 is what I saw. If it was TCU. Bring him on in here. Yeah, oh my gosh. Georgia yeah. would be 30. Georgia would be given 32 to TCU right now. And, so. and Trevor, can we know what Ohio State Jeez. is? Welcome. The Prince of the Pac 12, Zane's dad, Yogi Roth. Sir, how we doing? <laughs> Fellas, uh hold on. All right, I'm good. You hear me? We we, can we got hear you. you. Sorry about that. We, Just we, finished we, up. Breaking it down. Us. Take us, lead us, sir. Lead us. We're oh. Yogi. Right now, we are. We are. We put the Pac-12 discussion on hold for you. Thank I mean, you. we danced in there some, but we yeah. didn't really get down. And yeah. then right now, uh, our esteemed producer Trevor Valise. Again, ladies, that's Trevor Valise. V a l l e s s e. You can find him on everything. Worth a follow. Single living in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, but he just he's breaking down the the odds. Georgia would oh. be 32 point favorites right now versus TCU. They'd be 12 Ooh. point favorites against Michigan. And uh looks like they're getting 16 and a half against LSU. Is there a look, Trevor, for <laughs> is there a look uh but between um Georgia and Ohio State? Yeah, he's diving. Okay. Uh, Yogi, what what do you bring from the Pac-12, sir? It's, it's yours, sir. Yeah, well, I look at, like, as, as you say those things, I kind of go to, like, it's kind of like uh, you, if you watch games and you watch ESPN, it's like, um, what is it, like, win percentage? 
like mm-hmm. the certainty of they're going to win. And then all of a sudden there's a turnover and it goes from like 97 to 87. And then they start driving. That was Oregon UW game, right? So I don't know. Those things don't really mean much to me today um, unless you want to bet money on them today, which go for it if, if, if you'd like to. I know we're presented by Bet Rivers. So, so go do that if you'd like. Uh, specifically but, at Bet Rivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, specifically go right there. Uh, but where I net out on this thing, let's just talk about USC because I just got off on the Pac-12 and we did a thing on social media where you know you, you heard from a lot of fans and there's a lot of frustration with where uh, Tennessee sits, LSU sits and all things fine and dandy. Like, And my message to the SC fans is that if USC is able to beat three, state, three straight teams that are ranked highly, like you look where UCLA is ranked, that's not like a nothing win, right? There's value to that. If they're able to beat Notre Dame, and if Notre Dame continues to get stronger, that is a dramatically valued win. And if they're able to either avenge a Utah loss or beat an Oregon team, I mean, there's there's a bunch of ways this Pac-12 thing can go, wow. depending on how Saturday rolls. They're going to walk in with three straight incredibly quality wins, a win against Oregon State on the road that now means a lot more than it did a yeah. week ago when Oregon State yeah. fell out of the rankings. And they're going to play nine conference games. Rice might be bowl eligible. Fresno State is leading their division. Like they don't have any weak sauce games. And then you add in a guy who, if it was today, would probably be on a PJ to New York City for the Heisman. As a Heisman voter, I'd put him on my ballot, Caleb Williams. Yeah. Yeah. They lose Travis Dye, who's a dramatic hit, but that's why the portal exists. Austin Jones was a starter at Stanford for two years. Now he's going to start at SC. Relique Brown was one of the top few running backs in the country he's faster than everybody on the field to remind you of DeAnthony Thomas a little bit of Reggie in terms of when he puts his foot in the ground he's healthy we know they have weapons because Jordan Addison and Mario Williams have missed majority of the last couple games and Kyle Ford Taj Washington we've seen the wideouts and then defensively they're going to get their best player back well I'd say their second best player in Eric Gentry who at 6-6 with a seven foot six and a quarter inch wingspan in the middle impacts games more than anybody so i say that because you heard boo corrigan say well we love sc all he talked about was the offense that ain't slowing down like they come at you in waves so if they're able to win and i don't think they need to win like 50 to nothing because they're playing ranked teams to my message to sc fans and people in the pac-12 is you'll be fine like you'll you'll be just fine because that will that will put them in a great situation heading into what will be selection sunday that's an interesting point because they were talking about George. Remember they were talking about TCU having one of the hardest finishers, but that, that finishing slate right there. I, yeah. I don't think anyone has that. No one does. I don't no think one will play close. three straight ranks. No, that yeah. that's definitely solid. But the question will become, and Yogi, this is why you're, you're leading us. And this is why we go to you. USC, if they handle the business, I still think, and how can I keep giving them, all their flowers. We think they're a year ahead. This is a house money year. They're just now fortifying things. They're just now taking the name tags off in the building. Like everybody there is starting to learn them all. But a one loss SC, USC, Pac-12 champ turns and looks at Tennessee and Tennessee's like, we also have one loss and ours was to the top of the mountain. Michigan and Ohio State look at each other and they're like, if he beats me or I beat him, either one, we both would beat you. Yeah. That, and then that would also give us a loss. Like you have a loss. And it's still when people are like, well, the champ, the champ, the champ, even if all five uh, head honchos of all five uh, power five conferences all came in undefeated, someone's going to get left out anyway. So the, you must have a conference crown. It can't always hold. What happens there and what do you tell people from the, the Pac-12 standpoint? SC's one loss, Tennessee's one loss, Big Ten runner-ups one loss. Yeah. How could SC's be bigger than or better than those two or more deserving, I should say? Yeah, well, I, this is where I go. I go right to here. So I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but it, I'd recommend it. The college football playoff invites members of the media down to Dallas once a year. You do a mock selection and you get to see what it's like. 
And I got to go do that. And they took me through exactly how they do it. My role was the chair of the committee at the time. It was Rob Mullen. So Rob was there, the athletic director at Oregon. He walked me through the whole thing, the process in which when it's tight, where do they go? And they go to a couple places. One, they go to head to head. None of those teams reference would have played each other other than Tennessee LSU, which I think would be an interesting argument. Number two, they go to conference championship one. Then they go to strength of record. And when I look at those things, and this is just my opinion, the last time I checked, this is the CFP, not the SEC CFP. Like, I do not see this being a round robin for the SEC. Like, I don't see a world where three teams are in this discussion, right? If, if we have just absolute madness, and let's just say LSU wins the SEC championship, I just think we'd all assume that Georgia. I think that's the only way. That's the only way that two SEC teams get in this year. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to see three, right? So I I say that to like the point of when it's tight, they're going to go there. Then let's just lay it all out. Um, Let's just say USC beats Oregon. Like you have now, like a tie, and we know that they tie things together. Like Notre Dame is tied to a couple teams now in consideration. If you just look at the top ten, USC will be that. Right. You look at Oregon and Georgia and Tennessee and Georgia, that game will be tied. Right. If SC is to beat Oregon in the title game, I think that's another feather in the cap for SC. And then I really think they're going to look at the strength of record. Right. Tennessee, I'm not knocking Akron, Ball State, or wh- whoever they played. I, I don't even know who the week two game was. Um, Pitt, when they beat my Pitt Panthers. Pitt was ranked, but there was a backup quarterback who was hobbled. They're not ranked now. So I think they'll look at that and look at the finish that SC has had because the reality is South Carolina Vanderbilt, it's not even in the same conversation as the next three games that USC is going to play. So that's where I net out on it. Like It'll be super tight, but when you only have eight conference games, you don't have a dramatically strong non-con looking at it today. I think it puts SC in a really strong position. Do you think they are better than any team above them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think if we took a neutral field, USC, I'd love to see it. Like, I'm curious on the Ohio State-Michigan teams. I know, you know, you watch them. You guys watch them more than I do. Uh, But I don't look at any of the teams. Even when I look at Georgia, I'm not saying – there and we have talked about this before. They're not 2020 Alabama, 2019 LSU, 2021 Georgia. Like I don't think anybody is like invincible this year. So I'd love to see it. I'm with you. I think SC is a year ahead of schedule, but that doesn't mean they they shouldn't go if they finish. Oh yeah, go one. for it. You know, like Trevor... it, it, if they win their games, to me, I'd love to see them against Tennessee. Tennessee looked great against LSU and looked not so great against Georgia. Right, LSU looked terrible against Tennessee. Looked terrible against Arkansas. I was surprised they're as high Trevor, as they yeah. are. Like giving them Trevor a mulligan, like that to me doesn't a... exist in this stage of the season. Of yeah, surviving an Trevor... advanced game. No, not to me. Yeah, Trevor just gave us the odds breakdown. Take it for what it's worth. Everybody above USC, at a minimum, would be a ten and a half point favorite, and. uh it says LSU would be a six-point favorite, except LSU. Except LSU. LSU would be a six-point favorite. Everybody else above would be ten and a half. And we're not – I'm not even going to ask what a Georgia, Michigan, or Ohio State would be. I'm just going to take it at that. Ten and a half is the floor. Yes, mm-hmm. they're early. But Hack pointed out something, Yogi. Yes, they're so – like, they're compelling. Who doesn't want to see Caleb Williams – but when Caleb's on the sideline, that defensive unit's out there, I don't see how they get these teams off the field consistently. I don't see how you get a Michigan off the field, a Georgia off the field. I don't know how they run with an Ohio State or a Tennessee and even TCU, which really throws haymakers. They don't jab. I don't know how they go up against a TCU, but you watch SC more than we watch them. How would they have, like, how would they answer all those things? Yeah, I don't, I think, again, like to the odds, like talk to me in two weeks and I'd love to know what those odds are after this weekend. Again, one SC shows up because you can't run from their schedule in terms of they haven't played any world beaters, right? Oregon State's their only ranked win. And I could say the same thing for Ohio State of Michigan. Like Rick Clinton, you have that argument every Mm -hmm. week. Like I think just on paper, that's a fair assessment. 
I think the style in which Lincoln Riley's team plays is one which they're going to impact you defensively. Like, I don't know many teams that are ranked higher than them that can match up against Caleb, Addison, Relique. This offensive line is good enough to be playing at that level. Yeah, but like, teams have played with them, Yogi. Arizona played within a touchdown of you. Oh, I called it. I called the game. I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I, I've called three, three, three of their games this season. So I, I've seen that. But in those games, they've also, like, SC to me, they don't have the depth that the teams that are ranked higher than them. I don't know LSU's depth necessarily, but the other teams that have been building that thing for a little while, yeah. that's where they lack, bro. Like, you look at the players, they brought in 33 transfers. Offensively, you knew all their names. Defensively, yeah. unless you were like me working the Pac-12 beat every week, you didn't know a lot of those names. Right. None of them came in dramatically proven like it, it, they didn't have Caleb Williams on defense. Right? right. So I think what we've seen over the last couple of games uh, referencing the Arizona game, they didn't have two of their best players on defense and they don't have the depth. They were playing their best player, Tuli Tui Pelotu, who probably won defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. He's a D lineman, edge rusher, D tackle. He's playing Mike Backer because he's but that you know, active. You're so talking me. They beat yeah. Arizona by eight. And then two weeks ago, they beat Cal by six. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But they didn't have those guys in the game. And I think the players that I'm referencing yeah. are that impactful. If they don't play, they're going to play this weekend against UCLA from everything that I'm reading and seeing. Mm -hmm. But that's the fall off. Like, that's where Alabama yeah. and Georgia and those teams have built. So, yeah, yeah. SC's got to be at full strength to ride yeah. with your Roman army. Yeah. But that's what they're going to be this weekend. So that's where I net out of like, like, I've been on a bunch of shows where, like, can SC really hang? And I'm like, well, let's find out. Like, yeah. let them play. Like, let's not knock them off before they go into the show and say they're just an offensive team. Let's see what they are at full strength against Dorian and Chip and Zach Charbonnet and one of the top offensive lines in the country just nominated for the Joe Moore Award in USC and both UCLA on the offensive front. So I, I don't know, to, to be totally blunt, but I don't think it's fair to be like, Oh well, it's a gimme year for them, or it's a it's a bonus year. No, yeah. no it's a year where they're not, well, not bonus, not bonus. But SC fans, their they expectations have to match up. Yeah, they should be excited, but it shouldn't have any pressure. But hack everything yeah. Yogi was saying. Here's what we will know about SC. We'll know about Caleb Williams. All these yeah. deficiencies he's talking about. You don't think Caleb knows that? You don't think Caleb is out there balling and playing? And oh wait, did they get another touchdown? Tied up? Damn! I He's got it! I got it! I got it! Uh -huh. We're gonna uh -huh. learn. UCLA on the road. Notre Dame's gonna come in there with a, li a, a little bit of a step uh, hack, and then they'll go see Utah. If well, if Caleb, what's that song? Uh, if you are what you say. <laughs> I He's feel like visa. Caleb's got that yeah. in his headphones. And I think he thinks, like Yogi thinks, oh, no, 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 we're good. Yes, there are some holes, but I fill all that stuff up. Yeah. It'll be fun yeah. to watch. Like, I'm so intrigued, Hack, to watch these guys this weekend. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, I haven't gotten the chance to watch a ton of SC. I've been super impressed, obviously. I've talked at length about their offensive firepower and schematically the issues that they can create from a from – a, from, forcing you to decide how you want to come into a game but again again and again it could be just my ignorance not watching a ton of them but the one game that i did watch was the stanford game and stanford just couldn't score in the red zone they they moved the ball yeah. they controlled the ball and that's where when i think you match them up against a michigan team and even a sc or, or a georgia team ohio state's a different breed built different you know they're the blue angels like come in freaking we're going all we're going down and they're they got better defensively this year which was not which was their biggest achilles heel last year but i'd just be curious to see how they how they matched up with the physicality and if that team could stay on schedule and control the football cut caleb's chances in half then that's a different ball game you know what i mean yeah. you 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 put a little bit of numbing ointment on on what they do really well and you know force them to play four quarters of really solid defense you know, who knows, right? And that to your point, yo, like love to see it. Roll it out and let's see, let's see the strength versus strength and what happens, right? Yeah, it, it would be fun to watch. I, I'll never forget watching OU Georgia in the Rose Bowl in that first half with Baker just going off. Like, and then they held on for dear life and couldn't, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And Georgia found their way to the natty. Like 
I just think that schematically, like what Lincoln does is so good and their dudes are so good. Like Mario Williams is going to be one of the most explosive players in America. Like I just mm-hmm. voted for the Blitnikoff semifinalists and you better be damn sure he and Jordan Addison are on that list along with a bunch of other talented players on the West coast that I think these receivers are just elevated, man. So I would love to see Keely Ringo against Jordan Addison. I'd pay for that. Damn right. I'd pay for that. So I don't know, but we'll see. USC I mean, Lincoln's got it rolling. Gonna have to, yeah. They're going to have to go pay for some defensive players in this <laughs> next free agency. Uh, but it is exciting living down here in Southern California, watching the Trojans be back. All of a sudden, they are the team next to the Dodgers for us, for all of us. Best sport in the world. Best sport in the world. Yogi Roth, Christian Hackenberg, George Whitfield, Field of 12 After Dark, College Football Ranking Show. See you on Saturday.